You're listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life, a podcast about living with more joy, energy, and flow. We strive to help you create a healthier life from a wide variety of perspectives. No matter how well we take care of ourselves, we can always do better. We want you to glean some useful nuggets from each episode to help you be more in the flow with ease, joy, and purpose. So if you feel your life could be more fulfilling, healthy, and joyful, you're in the right place. Troy Corbin is truly an amazing, knowledgeable, and talented man. He has created a gardener's paradise on only a third of an acre. And that includes the home he shares with his wife, Danielle, and their son. And it even has a lawn. As a boy, Troy showed a keen interest in his mother's garden on the island of Trinidad. A love that has stayed with him even after moving to the cold climate of Canada. Troy shares with us his journey and his secrets for a healthy, productive garden full of fruits and vegetables that you can be proud of. Part of the secret? Taking your time to plan well. Before we get into my time with Troy, just let me say this was my very first interview, and most of it is outside. So my apologies for the inconsistencies in the recording. Hopefully you'll enjoy it anyway. I've also posted garden pics on realjanine.com. You might even want to follow along with the audio. Just click on podcast episode five and they'll be there. Okay, we're going to start first with a chat inside and then we're going to go outside and take a tour. Okay, so it all started for me as, you know, a little boy growing up in on the island of Trinidad in the Caribbean. Uh, it's a twin island, so Trinidad and Tobago is actually the, the country. And it's just uh, off the coast of Venezuela, just on the, the east of Venezuela, just only eight miles. Uh, so it's the last Caribbean island in the chain if anyone's checking on a map or anything. Um, but as a little boy growing up, you know, I always watched my mom gardening. It always amazed me that she would put something in the ground and then nurture that thing. And then later on, you know, we'd get food from it. You know, and I, I always thought, wow, this is a, is a miracle, right? It's you pretty put, magical. It is magical, it? Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And if you take care of it um, rightly and responsibly, then it gives something back to you. And that meant a lot, lot to me because it's, it's in my nature to actually, you know, foster growth and stuff in, in, in plants and people and stuff like that. Uh, so back then, I watched my mom time after time and she put something in the ground. She would plant your tomatoes and, and root vegetables as well, which you don't have in Canada. Like, for instance, there's something called cassava. It's mm-hmm. called yucca here. One of the things that we used a lot. Um, but yeah, things like corn and peppers and, and all these sorts of stuff. And uh, one day I said to her, I said, can I plant one? And she said, well, of course, right? So the first thing I wanted to plant was a corn seed. <laughs> <laughs> I love boiled corn. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite. Um, so yeah, I planted uh, my first uh, plant and it grew. And of course, I got something from it when I took care of it because she mm-hmm. had said, okay, well, you plant it, you know, you've got to water it and stuff like that. Um, before I knew it, I was in a garden 
and I was planting and digging and all this sorts of stuff and gardening myself. And I got joy from that. And to me, it's important to not only put your hands to work, but get a reward mm-hmm. after you put your mm-hmm. hand to work. And it's very, it's very rewarding to do something and have that thing produce uh, for you. Um, so over the years, uh, by the way, I started off with planting corn every year because <laughs> <laughs> I only wanted to plant corn. I loved corn, right? That's funny. Yeah. But then as I grew, you know, I said, okay, well, you, you've got to di- diversify <laughs> now. Yeah. So I moved from corn into planting uh, root vegetables as, as well as that yucca that, that I'm talking about, um, but also like uh, eggplant. In Trinidad, we call it melangin. I planted watermelon and pumpkins, and uh, well, one of the things I loved was sugarcane. So mm. I was always putting sugarcane back in the ground. That keeps coming back time after time. Uh, but that's where I fell in love with uh, with gardening. And uh, for 19 years of, of of my life in Trinidad, you know, that's what I love to do. But then came the time that we had to say goodbye to Trinidad, and that's why I ended up in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it was all new for me uh, in Canada. New environment, uh, new uh, temperatures especially. Yeah. Wow. You know, Big difference. Huge difference. <clears throat> Being back in the Caribbean, you know, we pretty much had the same temperature range all year round. It, Never really got colder than maybe 21 degrees. Mm-hmm. And 21 degrees is, would be freezing in Trinidad. So we were able to plant the same type of crop pretty much throughout the major part of the year. You mm-hmm. know, we had certain things we'd plant in season, but there was nothing that we couldn't plant at any time. Coming to Canada, everything changed. Um, now I was dealing with winter and fall and spring and summer, which were new seasons to me apart from summer because that's right. the only thing I had in the Caribbean. And when you said 21, you're talking centigrade, right? 21 centigrade, okay. yes. Yeah, so we were dealing with that. and But one of my major disappointments uh, after having moved to Canada is that we moved in the city, right? Mm. And we had a small backyard, and it was it was not a good headspace for me because in the Caribbean, you know, we had like man- five varieties of mangoes and we had mm. cherries and bananas and coconuts and plums and tangerines, all the sorts of stuff. We came to the, the city and the, the house we moved into, there was nothing in the backyard. And I thought to myself, why isn't there anything in the backyard? You know, as a boy, there was always stuff in my backyard. And I looked around me and realized that a lot of people didn't have any backyard gardens. Now, this was in eastern Canada. This was in St. Catharines, mm-hmm. Ontario. And I thought, how tragic. And the the opinion that I gained is that isn't Canada Canada a place that people grow things? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it didn't seem like anyone wanted to grow food in their backyard, Janine, and I couldn't understand why. Right? 
And where I found food was on farms. And that's where the, the peaches and the nectarines and, you know, the produce were. They were all on farms. Nobody grew them in their backyard. Oh, at least I didn't see didn't it. See. That mm -hmm. was my opinion, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I thought it can't be this way everywhere. And why isn't it, why isn't people taking advantage of using the small spaces that they had? Um, our backyard was probably about maybe being in the city, about, let's say, 25 feet by about 25 feet, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, so not very big. But I thought something can still be produced here. But at that headspace I was in, I didn't really have the drive to do so it. So it sounds like moving from Trinidad, which is full of abundance, mm -hmm. to a cold climate, mm -hmm. kind of depressing? It was a bit depressing. Yeah. It was a bit depressing. Um, it took me a full year going through all the seasons before I really looked at it and said, this is where you live now. You've got to learn to adapt. Got to make the most of it. You have to make the most of it. Well, um, there I was in, in my yard and I saw my mom. She went and she put her hands to work again and she put peppers and corn and tomatoes, but a very small amount. But I still never got into it, mm -hmm. right? And I lived uh, in in that environment, uh, in that place for, I think it might have been, uh, what are we, 10 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. 10 years. Um, and didn't really do much. Then I moved to a different area and lived there a while. And now I was in an apartment and still didn't do much. But I moved to British Columbia in uh, 2008 okay. and my spark came back because <laughs> now I was in an area with uh, mountains and uh, fresh water and lake and you know beautiful sunlight and trees and I saw again wow that boy you know that was in the Caribbean and I thought you know what it's time to get back to gardening and although I uh, moved in the city here uh, in Nelson, British Columbia. It's a small city. Um, but I saw opportunities that could be used uh, to produce food again. Mm -hmm. That was important to get that part of me back. So when my wife and I uh, were looking for a home, we thought we would like to get something that we can actually have a usable space to again um, grow something out of the ground. And what was really important at the time is that at the, the grocery store, we weren't getting the produce that we wanted. And I would say to anyone, you know, that's ever bitten into a tomato and found that it really didn't taste like a tomato, <laughs> that it's time it to- like almost nothing. <laughs> exactly, that it's time to start growing your own tomatoes. And if you have to grow it in a pot, if you live in an apartment and you've got a balcony, but you've got some sunlight, if you have to grow it in a pot, then grow it in a pot. Mm -hmm. If you have to grow it in a kitchen window with a planter box, grow it there. But you have to get back to the point where you're able to bite into 
uh, a fruit or uh, a vegetable and remember what it tastes like. And why I say this is because we had um, hamburgers one day and my wife put tomatoes in the hamburger mm -hmm. and I bit into the hamburger and it was a good slice of tomato and I could not taste the tomato. Wow. Yeah, I, you know, except in the summer, I don't really like to buy tomatoes. Exactly. They kind of taste like nothing. They taste like nothing. And I said to my wife, I said, there's tomatoes in here, right? And she said, yep. And I looked at it and the color turned me off. It it, it did not look like a, a ripe fruit. Mm -hmm. It looked light orange and inside was all not very rich in color. And I said to my wife, I said, that's it. We're growing some tomatoes. And I started growing tomatoes. And the first time I bit into a homegrown tomato in Canada, oh, my eyes lit up. And I was like, wow, now that's a tomato, right? And yeah, I couldn't stop at that point, right? And now from growing, you know, just simple things like uh, tomatoes, you know, and lettuce and kale, that's what we started with. Now we're growing a variety of food, and we've utilized um, a small space. A lot of people ask me, you know, when I t tell them what we grow, they said, oh, wow, you must be on a farm. You must have an acreage. Mm -hmm. And my answer is like, no, what makes you think that? And they say, well, you're growing all this stuff. And I said, yeah, but I'm growing them in small spaces, which is sometimes unimaginable to people that you can actually produce so much in small spaces. But when you make the space your own, then you can do something with it. Well, with, with the way you've organized everything, it's an intensive way of gardening. Yes. And you actually um, use a lot less water mm -hmm. and, and you can get a lot more into a small space if yes. you do it properly. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's quite uh, by... Other standards, it's a condensed area. Um, but you'll see later on, you know, we've got strawberries, we've got blueberries, we have grapes and uh, peach tree and cherry trees and tomatoes growing on trellises. And, you know, we have kale and pumpkins and uh, uh, cucumbers and carrots and pots. All this stuff, it can be done. Absolutely. It absolutely can be done. And what you have to do is like right now, if you're if it's fall for you, just, you know, look at your yard and see what you would like to do with a space. Try to put your imagination on. And once you have a determination to do something, you should just go do it. Absolutely. Know? And the other thing you want to do is it, what you were talking about uh, when we we're outside. Uh, is watch the sun. Watch yes. what areas get more sun because mm -hmm. some things need a lot more sun than other correct than other plants do. Yeah. Correct. You find um, you may have to do a little bit of research um, to figure out what your sun requirements is for what you're trying to grow, and do what I did. You know, you go outside, you stand in the spot that you want to put something in, look at your watch and see where that sun is at that time and track the sun throughout the day 
you know, and if you find that there's something that requires uh, six hours of sunlight, like I have some fruit trees that require minimum six mm -hmm. hours of sunlight. Mm -hmm. That's what I had to do. Track the sun to see where I could plant this tree um, to get that requirement. Other things uh, like lettuce, they don't really like hot, hot sun. No, anyway, no, they don't grow know? well. Yeah. So you want to put that in, a, in an area that it would have, like mine is planted where it has morning sun. And as the afternoon comes and it, it gets quite hot, then they're in a shaded area. And I, we produce Probably beautiful did. lettuce. I'm sure it does yeah. well. You know, and somebody may not have much sun. So mm -hmm. then you grow shade, uh, part shade exactly. or shade plants. Exactly. Maybe you can't grow everything, but you can certainly grow some. That's correct. There is no one that can't grow anything. <laughs> um, we have uh, people that we know, um, their soil is mostly clay soil. Mm -hmm. Right. So that keeps them back from growing something. But I said to, to them one day, I said, you know what would be a really good idea is if you make some raised beds. You make some raised beds, put some landscaping fabric on the base, and you fill it in with soil. Then that becomes your planting space. And that takes care of a lot of problems. It takes exactly. care of rocks. It takes care of just mm -hmm. any kind of crappy soil. Yep. You can you can create exactly what you want. Exactly. Plus, it's you're not... For me, I like, I really like my raised beds. I, mm -hmm. I can sit on the edge yes. and weed and work in the garden and I'm not bending over so much anymore. Mm -hmm. It just, it's much more convenient. The raised beds don't seem to get as, as many weeds yes, as, correct. as okay. just, you know, down on the ground. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of advantages mm -hmm. and you can create the perfect conditions. Exactly. Because exactly. some plants like a, a lower pH, some like a higher pH, mm -hmm. you know, some need the different one, things need different nutrients and it's a yes. lot easier. In raised beds, I think. Exactly. But and drainage matters a mm -hmm. lot. Uh, mm -hmm. That's one thing uh, one should be mindful of when they're doing any sort of gardening. Um, if your soil has more clay in it, then your drainage is going to be poorer, right? Right. Um, if, if you are still determined to plant in a particular soil, I would check to see what the uh, water uh, content in the soil is. And if you have more clay... Uh, you might want to take some of that clay out and put some more uh, topsoil, more loamy soil material or more sandy soil material and mix it all in, right? right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you can get some of that uh, water retention. You can reduce that. And that's another thing to consider um, to do some research on is how do you want to water your garden? Do you, mm -hmm. Is it small enough to hand water or are you away a fair amount of time? So you need ir yeah. drip irrigation or do overhead watering. Mm -hmm. You know, there's lots of different ways to get water to your garden. Exactly. You to, but you need to plan that out. Yeah. And you can do, um, uh, for some, they, they don't want to get into um, the task of putting in-ground uh, watering systems. Mm -hmm. Well, I bypass that and I have an above ground um, um, watering system. Mm -hmm. And all it is, it's I have my uh, hose on a timer. And then I just put above ground um, watering uh, tubing, mm -hmm. right? And it runs all through uh, a particular part of my garden. And my timer comes on automatically. And it waters only for the amount of time I want it to water to. And for each plant, there's a different nozzle, a different sprayer on it. You know, I might miss some or I would have drip to others. Mm -hmm. And But I make sure that I'm not, util I'm not using too much water for everything, 
right? I'm just giving them the water requirements that they need. And it takes a little bit to set up, but it's really pretty easy. It's but then once easy. you've got it, it's mm-hmm. it, it's so nice during yeah. the summer. You don't have to worry about it. You yeah. know, whether you're there or not, things are getting watered. Yeah. If, you're, if you're too busy and you just want to check every once in a while, make sure you're, that's not, your system's not plugged up. Exactly. Yeah. And if you have an above ground system, cause what keeps a lot of people back from putting in uh, systems like these? Because they always think, well, well, when winter comes, it's going to freeze up. My pipes are going to break, mm. right? Well, there's something simple you do. I do it every fall. When fall comes along, I take my compressor. I know that's what you're saying. And I blow out my water line mm-hmm. every fall. Then there's nothing to freeze. There's nothing to freeze. So then you're all good again. Spring comes, you you hook it back up to the system. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need to water it in the fall. So, you know, you don't have to worry about that. You know, you just blow the water out and you're good again for next year. I've been doing it now for three years. It's great. I've never broken a pipe. That's awesome. Yeah. That's perfect. Because I know some people feel like they've got to take everything in. And, yeah. you know, uh, I think this is the first year in our gardens that we're just leaving everything out and yes. dra- making sure everything's drained. And- yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. So, yeah, so there's, there's, a way, there's ways around things. You know, there's a lot of ways around things. And, you know, if you use your imagination for a little bit, you'd probably find a way around it. And also utilize your your farmer supply um, uh, associates, you know, talk to them because they have way more knowledge than you have uh, requirements for certain things and talk to them. You You know, know, another thing is you you might uh, get some neighbors together who Mm -hmm. and each person learn about a certain plant or a certain yes. fruit or something and mm-hmm. get together and share, share knowledge. knowledge and mm-hmm. help each other out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also I was going to say, you don't have to, a lot of things you can go to your nursery and get plants. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you don't have a huge garden, it's a lot of times it's easier. There are some things that I don't want to grow a lot of. Mm-hmm. So I just get a few plants, you exactly. know, rather than getting seed packets. Yes. But I'd still get seed catalogs just mm-hmm. because there's a lot of information. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of tips and the, the seed catalogs have a lot of educational material yes. in them too. Yes. And I'll, they're fun to look at. They, anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's fun in the winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I learned uh, a lot from uh, seed catalogs myself, like uh, on uh, garlic, because I hadn't grown garlic before and I depended on the, ca- the catalog mm-hmm. to actually put my first garlic clove in the, in the ground because I had no idea what I was doing. It definitely gave me some good advice on what to do and, you know, what to watch out for and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, Seed Catalogs yeah. have a lot of good information. Mm-hmm. And um, if you get on their email list, um, I have several that are always sending me information appropriate mm-hmm. for the season. And, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really helpful. Yeah. Well, this is awesome. So we're going to go outside now and take a tour of the garden Mm -hmm. and get some tips. And we're going to come back in the spring, in the summer, and see what's happening. And if you have any questions, you can go to the blog for keeping it real with Janine.com and ask questions. And Troy or I will uh, do our best to answer them for you. Absolutely. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. Okay, we'll see you in the garden. Okay. Oh, look at the roses. Your roses are still beautiful. They go until, yeah, as you see, October. Sometimes they go till the end of October. Oh, awesome. Over there, there's another bush. You can see it. Oh, (laughs) 
What kind is that? It's like ketchup and mustard, I was telling you. Oh, that's gorgeous. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Troy, let's take a look at your blueberries. I notice you're growing them in pots. I can't believe it. They're beautiful. The fall is actually when the blueberries get red. I know. They're so pretty. Now, when are you pruning your blueberries? In the fall in or the in spring. the spring? In the spring. Oh, um, two things. Mm-hmm. In the summer, after they, uh, they stop fruiting, you can prune them back to the shape you want, right? So, for instance, this guy is all the way out here. Right. Right? And I pruned it back here because I wanted it to be more upward and growing. Mm-hmm. So Troy is pointing out a branch that was growing horizontal out a couple of feet, and he pruned it back so that uh, some of the other branches could uh, start growing up more. Yes. Because he wants to get a more uh, vertical, vertical rather than horizontal. Yeah, yeah because it's going to follow the sunlight. Right? right. So the sunlight is not directly overhead because mm-hmm. of the cedar tree. And besides, the sun is passing on to the south. So... Uh, I will do that in, in the summer to keep my shape. And the spring is where I'll do my pruning to cut the dye back. So whatever um, got uh, affected by the winter, which every year you'll have branches that's affected by the winter. Oh, absolutely. You prune the dye back ones off in the spring. Yeah. Okay, so shaping during yeah. the summer after yeah. fruiting. Yep. And then in the spring, mm-hmm. you prune off the dye back. Yes. Cool. All right. Good information. So anybody can have, I mean, really, a, a pot, a, a two-foot diameter pot, mm-hmm. you've got four plants in it. And, yeah. and I know from experience, you can get a lot of blueberries. Oh, uh, the last couple of years, we've had so many blueberries that I've got a freezer full of blueberries. <laughs> yeah. But one thing I found out about freezing blueberries is that because uh, freezing uh, cracks uh, the fiber in the berry that you're actually getting more of the antioxidants than you are when they're oh, fresh. Really? So, yeah. Well, that's really good to know. I know, because I thought, oh, I'm not eating them fresh. You know, it's not yeah. as good when they're frozen. But this is actually something where you get more of the nutrients when they're frozen. And, of course, that's what you want to get out of your fruits. The more nutrients possible you can draw out of your fruits, the better it is for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. tons of ways to use blueberries in mm-hmm. cooking. There's There's no into the ways you can use them. So that's great. So one way that I have, um, one thing that I have implemented rather to, to keep down on the amount of water usage that mm-hmm. have, is drip Important. irrigation. Right? So the strawberries, as you can see, are in rows. And they've got a bed with landscape fabric over it. Mm-hmm. Now each bed has seven strawberries. Plants. Okay, looks like a but, lot more than that. Yeah, it does. But to each plant, there's a drip irrigator. Oh, okay. Right. So this works in two folds. One is because I have my landscaping fabric on the actual plant, I don't use as much water as, say, some other people would use because it doesn't... Um, dry out that much, right? The landscape of fa- fabric will actually keep the soil moisture. So I don't need to use as much water as the average person would use had their blueberries been just on the soil. Strawberries. Gonna, mm-hmm. it's a, sorry, strawberries. Because okay. yeah, the sun's going to dry out the soil. 
But because it's under this fabric, the moisture is contained in the soil longer. Now, how do you replace old plants? How old often plants. do you do that? So, I've learned that old uh, blue uh, strawberries, rather, should be, uh, the turnover rate should be every three years. Three years, okay. Right? If you want to keep getting the maximum um, size mm-hmm. of your strawberries. So, because these are just planted in a hole here, every three years, you just pull one out, you put another in. So I've got the runners. The runners are never able to plant themselves because of the landscape fabric, right? What I did with my bed, I've got three beds, and this is how I rotate them. There's a one-year bed, two-year bed, and a three-year bed. Got it. So every year, I always have one bed that I need to change over, right? And that summer, I will take the runners, I'll put a pot, right by, beside the bed, and I'll have a runner plant itself in a pot, right? That way, the next season comes, the spring, I take the pot out, pull the old one, strawberry out, and I'll put that new one in, right? And I'll call that my zero year, because mm, okay. it's not yet one year. Right, right, right. So then I'll have a zero, one, and a two year. Got it. Right. I'll have you know my brain is, because I have strawberries and yeah. I don't like what's happening to them and I need to do them differently. Yeah. So it's my brain is work. racing right yeah. now. Yeah. I'm thinking. It's a good way. Yeah, it yeah. is. So that way you always make sure every three years you're turning over your strawberries. And every year you will still get strawberries because you have a two year and a one year. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Neat. That's great. And and so you you also you've got uh, so you've got twenty one plants here in uh, what about six by ten? Twenty one plants. Uh, let's see. We got one, two, three. I'm just measuring. He's marketing marking out with his feet. So seven feet okay. by about maybe ten feet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've just discovered that some of the strawberries here are flowering. Yeah, it's October twenty second. I know. I have ever. I have the um, yeah. Albion uh, Everbearing, yes. and I've got like strawberries that are between one and two inches still wow. going on them. Wow. Yep. Amazing. If Amazing. you like, if you want some Albion, I have lots yeah. of them. They're great. I can give you some. That would be fantastic. So one of the things that uh, for for a family that is thinking about having a garden is to sit down and talk about with mm-hmm. the family. Um, what is it everybody wants? What are, you know, what are your favorite fruits? What are your, you know, because otherwise I find that my garden got out of hand and I decided, you know, I'm just going to, I don't have a lot of time and energy. Yes. And so I really want to grow what we're going to eat, like broccoli. We eat a lot of broccoli. Broccoli's easy. The side shoots just keep going on. All some, mine are still, I'm still harvesting broccoli. Um, you know, we love strawberries. We love red, we love fruit. So mm-hmm. we're, we go heavy on the fruit. Um, but, and I make marinara sauce, I make salsa. Yes, yes. So, you know, I need all the ingredients for all of that, but, um, I'm kind of done experimenting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just want to, I just want yeah. what we're going to use and there's the processing mm-hmm. and it all takes effort. But yeah. if the whole family pitches in, it's not that bad. That's great. Does your son help out? Our son, that's the good thing. He really likes, 
uh, gardening. Oh, good for you. He's always asking me, how do you do this and how do you do that? You Chip know? off the and old I block. Say, hey, that's come great. outside. I'll show you exactly what to do. Oh, that's great. Right? That's great. Um, because when I grew up, I was watching my mom, you know, right. and how she was gardening. And I took, I took that on from her. So to have my offspring now liking garden that's the best reward that I is think, that's right? great because yeah. it's something you can't it's kind of hard to force you know if, yeah. if somebody doesn't really want to be out in the garden yeah. like my husband's not really a gardener but he does because mm-hmm. he i need his help he he helps but it's yes. not like his passion is exactly. not his thing no exactly. mm-hmm. yeah okay what was in this um so this section this is here. where i had my garlic oh okay yeah. oh yeah there's your there's yeah. your old garlic stocks last year was the first time i planted garlic and I did all the research that I can do, and I had this one area here, Janine, which is about uh, three feet by twelve feet long, mm-hmm. and I planted a hundred and seventy cloves of garlic. Wow! How far apart did you plant them? Three inches? Three Two? to four inches for some, and four to five inches for the other varieties. Right? And I didn't guess on this. I mm-hmm. actually went and looked up the varieties and see see what their need of space was. But would you know that out of 170 cloves of garlic that I planted, I got 170 heads of garlic. Wow. Yeah, they all okay. did very well. Wow, so that close. Well. So I wasn't sure because it's been so wet yes. about planting the garlic. Mm-hmm. So I called our one of our neighbors, Bill Barisoff, mm-hmm. because he used to grow... 5,000 heads of garlic. Yeah, he awards (laughs) and the whole thing. Yes. And what he told me was six inches in either direction. Just, you know, don't worry about having the rows wider and all that. He said, just do six inches. And he said, uh, since we're in Canada, Mm -hmm. the Canadian Thanksgiving, which is uh, Columbus Day in the States, uh, to the end of the month, that's the best time to plant it. Mm -hmm. Because you do want a little bit of root to grow mm-hmm. so the bulbs don't freeze. Yes, correct. But you don't want too much. You don't You don't want um, green to start growing on top mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. And he said that the best way to mulch was, he thought, was with um, hay, not with hay. as opposed Ooh. to straw. Because he said a lot of times with straw, you're going to get little seeds. And yes. he said garlic does not, not like to be disturbed yes, at yes. all. So he suggested mulching for the winter with uh, hay. Well, that's or I like to use alfalfa um, yeah. myself, the leafy, the second cut. That right. will mulch in, a lot of that will mulch in nicely yes. too and give nutrients. So have you planted your dollar? Yes, yeah. I did it. We did it last weekend. Right. I got the family involved. Yeah. They were all gun-ho. So awesome. I said, let's yeah. do it. Yeah. And I've just been waiting for the the sky to turn off. <laughs> I know. Well, he actually dripping, he dripping, said because dripping, I called him last weekend yeah. and he said, "No, do it right now." I'm like, "Okay, okay. I'm gonna get out and do it." <laughs> so well, we I guess did. I it. better get going myself. It was four yeah. of us. It yeah. didn't take very long yeah. at all. And I did a raised bed this year because oh, the previous year I did in the ground, and um, we've got really crappy rock soil. Yes. yes, the rocks just seem to kind of come up. You know, they just <laughs> kind of appear all the time. Yeah. So Stephen's been building me raised beds, yes. and and I decided to do the garlic in the raised bed this time. Yeah. So well, as you can see in my yard, I always I always joke about this. I either got rocks or I got roots, <laughs> and if there is neither, it's yeah. because there's both. I've got rocks and roots that I've got to move. Right. Well, so every time I put something a shovel in the ground. I get a combination of rocks and roots. And look what you have, because you've done raised beds, or yes. I don't know, what would you call these beds now? Well, they're not actually raised. I know. Because but um, what's going on here 
is that there was a section of my yard that was all slanted down in the property line. And I did not like mowing on that slant at all. Anybody who mows... Yeah, it would kind of be dangerous, actually. It, it would be it's dangerous. deep and narrow. Yes, and it's not very good on your ankles. Mm-hmm. So... We one in a garden decided, oh, maybe we should build a retaining wall, right? So we built a retaining wall on the downslope and brought it back to the level of the land, right? So it's actually leveled out. That's why we can't call it a raised bed. Right. But it's, well, I'm not yeah. sure what, I'm not we, sure would what we would call it. it Let's it, just it, call it a retained garden <laughs> bed. <laughs> It's it's brilliant because yeah. um yeah you know it's just wasted space yes and yes. now how much sun do you get here that's the thing hmm. so because of the tall cedar trees on the south side because all the sun passes to the south right right so we get sun in the morning but from summertime the sun will come up over that rise there on the east right. And we'll get sun in this backyard from about maybe 5.30 in the morning. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay, yep. Mm Because it comes up over there. So we get sun about 5.30, but then it disappears. Disappears somewhere around uh, maybe 10.30-ish, right? Okay. And then we'll get a little glimmer of sun coming through the trees. So as you notice here, Janine, I don't have any fruit vegetables. Right. So this is mostly yeah. early morning sun. So yes. I see you've got kale. Yeah. Uh, what was in here? This is my herb garden. Your herb garden? Yeah. So oh, we have the rosemaries and the oregano. And um, we've got, I usually plant things like thyme and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that doesn't require a huge amount of sun. Right. Yeah. So that's here. As you pointed out, the kale. I've also planted my lettuce here. That doesn't mm-hmm. need a huge amount of sun right. as well. And it doesn't like to be hot. Doesn't so like early to be morning hot. sun's perfect. Yes. And down at the end of the line that gets sun for a little longer in the day, I've got cucumbers and squash that are actually able to grow back here. That's great. Well, I think cucumbers don't like to get too hot either. No, so early, they don't. the earlier east sun is yep. is better for it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. And you're growing all this and you've still got... Now, uh, how many... How many acres is your little property here? Because it's not that big. No, uh, we are only in about, I think, 0.34 of an acre, somewhere around there. Okay, so about yeah. a third of an acre. Yeah. And he's still got, you, Troy, you've still got uh, grass. We've still got a you beautiful know, lawn. Yeah, you still got a nice lawn, yeah. and and, um, yeah. and you're growing all of this food. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah. It, so what do we have over here? Oh, so we've got a beautiful patio over here. We've got actually also a walkway beside the stream, a little footpath. And this was another area that had a slope section uh, to the yard. Oh, that you got again, more strawberries here? Yeah. Oh, strawberries, yeah. Yep. So we built another retaining wall here, right? And we put, we put it uh, hollowed out again. We put the soil in there, and we planted strawberries all the way down. Yeah. So down here, we go down to the footpath. And this is where we had another area of the yard which had a slope. And if you can picture this, it's running beside a stream. A stream is running beside this footpath. Now, where does the water come from? The water comes from up on the mountain, way Ah. high up, right? And it's way up, way up in the mountain, probably about maybe uh, a thousand feet up, right? 
And this water just meanders all the way down. It's probably good drinking water. It's very good. Our water, water comes yeah. from like four thousand yeah. some feet, and that's our yeah. drinking water. It yeah. goes down into a creek and gets filtered through the sand. And yes. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So this is beautiful water. That oh, lovely. Here. Yeah. And decided to put uh, like a footpath running, um, just meandering beside the stream here. And I'm assuming you built these bridges. Yes, I did. Japanese bridges. <laughs> They're beautiful. Well, and, and you built this deck, I assume. Yeah, this patio here we built as well. Now, how long has it taken you to to do all of this? Well, we did we did this in three years. Wow! Right. Uh, every year, I I like to be outside, so every year I find a new project to do, and I'm always adding to the yard, always adding projects. Like for instance, this retaining wall. When you have obstacles in your way, sometimes you may not want to get them out of your way. Sometimes it may be difficult to get them out of your way. We're yeah, standing like in front of this rock. big boulder here. Wow. <laughs> I tried to see if I can get to the bottom of this boulder, and I could not. <laughs> so it ended up becoming a feature in my footpath, right? Excellent. So what, as you can see, we've got the stones just... Kind of curving, a little S-snake-type curve mm -hmm. to it. And all that is because of this rock. <laughs> Decided to make the path winding so it can get around this rock. And this rock actually became a feature. Then I just put three other rocks. To kind of balance it. To kind of balance yeah. it out. Because yeah. it's all about balance. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'd also like to point out mm -hmm. for our listeners that you have a full-time job. I do. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, it's not like you're, you know... Yes, <laughs> I'm a dental hygienist, yeah. and I work with my hands there, too. So, you know, working with my hands, of course, is something I love. I can see that. Yes. That brings us to this Japanese bridge. Oh, it's beautiful. Stream. Yeah. yeah. You can hear the water. Yeah. Well, it's my favorite in. sound. <laughs> and here's another path that I extended, this spring here, because we had this pathway. Uh, it's made with... Uh, um, slate stone mm -hmm. and gravel. Mm -hmm. right? Nice. And uh, do you have anything under it to prevent weeds from growing through, or just no, no, no we didn't. We didn't have weeds because you know what? I actually want some sort of greenery growing mm -hmm. around it, like that, a, maybe creeping thyme or yes, something like that. Exactly, because that, yeah, yeah. that accentuates the stone. Mm -hmm. right? And when you walk on it, it's exactly. so nice. Yeah. Smells good. Yeah. And right now we're in. What I call the, the forested area of my yard is mm -hmm. trees. We've got maple trees, cedar trees. We've got a birch tree as well. It's this lovely. Is a, it's like a whole different world here. It is. You've created. It is. It's a, I, what I really like is how you've created little, like little vignettes yeah. around the outside. Yes, it's that's beautiful. Great. Yeah, when we have company over, everybody comes and they said, "Wow, you've got all these pockets of spaces around your yard. Every every area there's like a little something. It's a little different." I think that's one of the joys of gardening. You know, we came here, we moved into this property, and it was a blank slate. And we decided over time we were going to make it our own. Like right now, we're standing in front of a English stone patio, and before this was a bit of a gravel pit, mm -hmm. just a half moon shape uh -huh. with a fire pit in the middle. And uh, we saw this and thought, what a beautiful place to build a patio. It's running right beside a stream. You can sit on the patio and listen to the book going by. So, yeah, 
we created this space, and uh, this is where we entertain most of the time in the summer. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And you've got lots of shade. Lots so of shade. It stays yeah. cool. I would think it would stay nice and cool. Here. It is very nice and shaded. One of the things, being from Trinidad mm. myself, mm-hmm. most Trinidadians do not sit in the sun like <laughs> North Americans do. I don't sit in the sun, <laughs> yeah. but I know what you mean. A lot yeah. of people. We don't sit in the sun. We, we love sitting in the shade. And um, so the best thing was, uh, we thought, to build a patio in the shade. You still get the warmth from the sun, but it's not beating down on your head. And what's also beautiful to note that if it rains here, if it's just drizzling very slightly, you don't have to run for cover. You've got a canopy. Got a canopy. A natural canopy. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Very nice. Got your wood all yep. stacked nicely. Thank you. This woodshed we also put up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's actually a very nice woodshed. You know, one thing I, I'm really wanting to do here, I want to turn this into another project because I want to add some Japanese elements to mm. it that will actually go with the bridge. So I'm still in the thinking process. I don't like to rush through things, so I haven't done it yet. But it would be good if I could make this to look somewhat like a Japanese temple-like. With all the decorations and no, stuff. No, I, I get yeah. it. I totally yeah, get yeah. it. Yeah, it would be great. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's important. I think, and I think that's a good point that you just made. That mm. it's really important to think things through. Yes. Because you don't want to make a mistake. It's no. it's a lot of work. Yes. And you want to it to look whatever your vision is. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's why it's this is really the time now. I think to start thinking about your vision of. Of yes. what you want for yeah. your garden, your yeah. yard. Yeah. Um, don't wait until the spring. No, you know, no, you've got all these months during the winter to yeah. look at seed catalog, get seed catalogs. Yes. You know, find out where you get soil, where you get manure, compost, where you get building materials. Mm-hmm. Finding help if you need help. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, a friend, some friends yes. who are talented yes. can help you. <laughs> And, um, you know, to get all that organized because you don't want to do it at the last minute. So this is really the perfect time yeah. to start thinking about it. Yeah, you're right, Janine. Fall is a perfect time. And what I would encourage uh, our listeners to do today, too, is walk around there. Go outside, walk around. If you have to sit down, sit down and just look. Just observe and see what you can invent, what you can create that would fit into the space you have. One of the important things for us was to have our yard looking as natural as possible. So we decided that we were going to use elements that were already in our yard, like cedar, for instance. We've got a lot of cedar trees. And if we keep walking down this path, you see one of the examples. We decided we wanted to put up a swing bench and needed to build a platform for it to level it because the ground was sloping down. So what we did is utilize some cedar logs Oh, my goodness. This is beautiful. We made a square platform, more like rectangular platform. But these beautiful cedar logs we cut right down the middle in half. And this stairs that you're looking in front of you is from a cedar, um, a big log. We just hewn it out right from the log itself. Now we've got this beautiful cedar. It's all clear-coated, so it's nice and glistening and shiny with that rich cedar look. It's right? beautiful. And it accentuates your surroundings, right? What a way to to be creative. I mean, really, for someone 
especially someone who has to work inside all day, maybe in an oh, office. Yes. And, you know, I think everyone has a creative side mm-hmm. um, that needs to be expressed yes. to really feel fulfilled. And, uh, you know, like for me right now, it's more, I mean, I'm doing my garden, but it more for me right now is my harp and, and playing my harp and learning how to get better and better at it so I can so I can be good, a good harvest. And, um, but we all need something creative. And, um, even if you're in an apartment with a balcony, you can still be creative. You can still grow things. You can still have a two foot pot of blueberry bushes. If you really, really love blueberries, you know, (laughs) blueberries in a balcony. Uh, Yeah. I mean, there's, there are a lot of things you can do and, and it's just, it's so rewarding to create, Mm. you know, Mm. there are so many ways to be creative and to create. And this is one way that's, you get to eat the food and, oh. you know, you get to sit in the bench and it's really rewarding. Yeah. I mean, what a great way to enjoy a space. To come outside and sit on a bench, a swinging bench, listen to a stream, just rumbling by. In the springtime, the stream is even louder. Mm-hmm. You know, you can sit here and read a book. Oh, and if you've had a tough day, you come home and you know, take 15, even if it's just 15 minutes. Yep. Take some time out, maybe make yourself a cup of tea or, mm-hmm. and sit outside and just listen. Even though you've got traffic, mm-hmm. you've still got the yes. water sound. Yeah. And the beautiful part of it is that it's your creation. When people come and say, oh, wow, look at that. Who did you guys get to do that? <laughs> <laughs> you say, we did it. Yeah. And then they go, what? <laughs> you said, no, we did it. And you can too. Yeah, you can too, exactly. You might need, you might not have, somebody might not have all mm-hmm. the skills that you have. You're mm-hmm. obviously multi-talented. Mm-hmm. Um, so people might need a little bit of help, but be amazed what you can, what you can learn to do that yes. you don't already know how to do. You start off small. Yep. Start off small. This is beautiful. Now, are those some fruit trees uh, at the, yep. let's see, that would, that's the front. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> As I was going to say at the back, yeah, but that's the that's front. That's the front. Um, Another thing I did this year um, was experiment with the sun, how much sunlight we Mm. have. Mm -hmm. And I thought one tree I really wanted to get is a pear tree, a Bosque pear. Mm. It's my favorite pear. And I looked all around the yard and I I said, there's no way that has full sun. I can't grow Bosque pears, right? And I decided I wasn't going to give up. So I went online and I punched in Bosque pear trees and I read and read and read, and there it said, as long as you have about six hours of sunlight, you can grow bosque pears. Right? Now, that particular pear or pears in general? Pears in general. Okay, six hours of sun or what Six you hours of sun. Now, particular to bosque pears, you can grow them in partial shade, right? Uh-huh. which I didn't okay. know before. I didn't know that either. No, um, I have partial shade here because where it is, it gets a little morning sun, but it gets a lot of afternoon sun, right? The other thing I, re- I realized is that I can grow even more than bosque pears. I can grow plums and apples with hmm. my partial sun. So how many hours do plums and apples need? The plums and apples need, I think I've read that, and it was said about eight hours of sun. Okay, right? so a little more than yeah, pears. A little more than pears. Okay. But... Uh, there's a Japanese plum that I put in this year. Ooh. It's about a two-year-old tree, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Right, and I got seven Japanese plums from it this year uh, for two years. Wow, that's and very nice. They were all ripe. They all ripened on the tree, and they all taste delicious. 
Right. Now, what do you use for fertilizer for your fruit? Let's start with fruit. What do you use for okay, your fruit? So I we will use, be talking about more of this in the spring, yeah. but so people can get yeah. an idea. So I use your typical fruit spikes. You can get them at your local uh, farmer supply store. Um, sometimes you have them at uh, other nurseries and stuff. And these spikes you just pound into the ground and you put it uh, around the tree. Uh, not closer than two feet of the tree. Okay. Yeah. And you put it around what you call the drip line, mm-hmm. right? And, and why don't you explain what the drip line is? Okay. I know what it is. Then. So the drip line is where you have the branches come out and you have the leaves and the water will drop off the edge of the leaves, right? That's how far the branches stretch out. That's so the as line. the tree gets bigger, the drip line gets The drip gets line gets wider. further and yep. further away. So I use those spikes and... Typically, you would put spikes in the ground in spring, right? When the tree uh, is just starting to get its buds, because you want to give it a good boost of uh, fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me what's in it, because I don't know the combination of it. All I know it's the fruit spikes. Okay. Next, you want to put it uh, sometime in the summer as well, because you want to give them two boosts of fertilizer. One to help the tree come out of its dormancy and get its nice blooms and its blossom. And the other time you want it to get all that fertilizer to the fruit. And that sounds pretty easy to do. It's very easy. And it's it's constantly releasing nutrients. Exactly, because it's a slow release, right? right? Mm -hmm. Anytime you water the tree, like my tree, uh, we've got young trees. I've got pears and plums and, and apples, but they're all young trees. So anytime I water the tree, that nutrients will get down into the soil, into the right. roots. Yes. Right. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, to what I should point out, my trees are actually um, planted six feet apart. Which is pretty close. Very close. Once again. <laughs> Very it's close. not three feet, but it's <laughs> yeah. six feet. It's still feet pretty apart, close. Because I'm going to espalier those as well. Right? Okay. So at six feet apart, I'm only growing my branches to maximum three feet long, right? So let's walk up here yep. so we can take a picture of it because yep. you really, you've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. These are six or seven trees, I think. Oh, no, there's one behind. So yep. seven, you've yep. got seven fruit trees in really a very small space. Yes, it's, uh, I think it's... I'm going to walk under this beautiful trellis that I imagine you made. I did build this, and again, it's built of cedar wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My house is also cedar vertical siding, right? It's very nice. It's yeah. really, it's very pretty. So, I guess you'd say we're everything cedar in this yard. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, from our right to our left, Janine, we've got Bosque pear, right? Then we've got Batwood pear. And the reason I have two pear trees is because they need each other to pollinate. And they don't have to be of the same variety? They don't have to be of the same variety. Okay. Bosque and Bartlett, they will pollinate each other. Okay. Next, I have a Honeycrisp Apple. My favorite. Yes, one of my personal favorite. And I have an Ambrosia Apple. Mmm. Right? The Ambrosia and the Honeycrisp, they will pollinate each other as well. Uh, in the middle, we have an early Italian plum. Now, that's partially self-pollinating. Partially okay. self-pollinating means... That it will pollinate itself, but you will not get as much fruit as if it had a partner. Right? But Italian plums are very fruitful. Very fruitful. 
If you have an Italian palm tree, you probably don't know what to do with all the plums. Uh, I raised my hand <laughs> yes. on that one, yes. Yes, <clears throat> that's why I only have one of them, right? Uh, next, we have a Santa Rosa. That's the Japanese plum that gave me seven plums this year. Uh, beside it, we've got a red heart, another Japanese plum, and they will uh, pollinate each other as well. Okay. So what happened when I went to get one tree, I ran into the issue that I needed another tree to pollinate with it. That's why I ended up with seven fruit trees, <laughs> six feet apart. You know, I'm surprised you don't have an Asian pear. Yeah, I don't have an Asian pear. No. The one thing I really like about Asian pears is they yeah. keep for a long time. This is they what keep, I heard. I think last year we mm. had them through February. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's a long This time. year we didn't get many Asian pears, but last year I had a lot. And, uh, yeah, they lasted for a long time. Mm. I love slicing up Asian pears and putting them in salad in the oh, winter. Yeah. yeah oh, it's really nice. But it's very delicious. Nice yeah. and crunchy. and Oh, mm-hmm. I love the crunch. Mm-hmm. I think that's the favorite yep. part of my food. I, I think it's an Asian pear in <laughs> yeah. there somewhere. I love the crunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is amazing. Thank it you. really is. You've just, you. I can't believe you've done all this in three years. Yeah, three years. And working full time. And working full time. Yeah. But you, it can be done. It can be, you yeah. You have yep. the, the desire to do it. Yeah, that's the thing. But again, if you set your mind to it and you look around your yard, you'd realize that you could turn a space that you thought, ah, oh, there's nothing I can do with that, to something beautiful. So, yeah, just like I was uh, alluding to a moment ago, if you just sit down and you think about it, you know, you realize that you might have a, a portion of your yard that you don't quite know what to do with. But sit down, think about it, you know, and that inspiration eventually will come to you. If you let it, I find, if you let it simmer, uh, a lot of times stuff will come to me as I'm falling asleep. Yes. Um, I like to, I don't like to like jump out of bed in the morning Mm because if I kind of stay in that sort of half sleep, half awake state, I get a lot of ideas, a lot of stuff comes to me and in the shower. Yes. I mean, that's where I got the idea to do this podcast yes. was in the shower. In the shower. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things come to me in the shower. Today. <laughs> and here we are, right. So, yeah, let things simmer. Yes. Um, give it time. You'll you'll be surprised. You'll see something when you're driving somewhere or you go to somebody's house or, mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, you're out and about and you'll see something and it'll give you an idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what gardening's about. Ideas. Ideas, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you can always change things, you, you know. Always. I mean, the infrastructure... Not so easy to change, but the plantings yeah. and yeah. rotating, do you rotate? Yes, oh. yes. It's very important to rotate because whatever you plant is going to leach certain nutrients from other soils. So you don't want to plant the same thing there year after year after year because eventually what you're going to notice is your produce becoming smaller and smaller mm-hmm. and your plants may not grow as well. So that's that's a key to tell you, hey, I'm taking a lot out, out of the soil. If you put something else back there, you'd realize that that plant actually gives something to the soil that your other plant was taken out. So it's all about rotating your crops. So I, my my policy is uh, not to plant something for, except tomatoes, they seem to like the same place. Yes. But um, three years, do yes. a three-year rotation. What do you use? I would say the same thing. Okay. Yeah, three-year rotation. I heard some people saying every year. I don't think personally it's necessary. You know, I would say one thing. If you plant something in a spot 
uh, one year and you notice, man, it was not as, as healthy as it was the year before. Didn't do that great. Yeah. Didn't do that great. Time to rotate. Yeah. yeah time to yeah. rotate. And I agree with you with the tomatoes. I've planted my tomatoes in the same spot for three years. Every year it does beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I'm not about to move I it. I know, I know. Don't change it. Yeah, they, they do seem to like the same yes, place. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been excellent. Um, and we're planning on touching base again in the spring and seeing what Troy's up to with his garden and, and what his plans are and what he's planting. The winter is a great time to plan. It's a great time to uh, look at seed catalogs. Personally, I like Johnny's Seed and uh, Seed Savers Exchange. Seed Savers Exchange is all organic, open-pollinated. Well, that's another thing. If you want to learn how to save seeds, um, you want to get open-pollinated seeds rather than hybrid because hybrid will revert to whatever the original components were. You don't save seeds from hybrid plants, although sometimes I get hybrid just because they're great, you know, yes. and I really like that particular variety, especially mm-hmm. like cherry tomatoes. Oh, the, yeah. you touched, you touched <laughs> yeah. something there. I, I was just going to say cherry tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. get the hybrid. Yes, uh, yes. But for most things, you know, it's pretty easy to save seeds. Yeah. Uh, what seed catalogs do you like to use? Um, I've been using West Coast seeds. West Coast, yeah. Yeah, yeah West Coast seeds. Um, no, that's for, um, I, I was speaking for U.S. So West Coast, mm-hmm. I use West Coast too for, yeah. uh, for Canada. Yes, for Canada. That's correct, yeah. And West Coast seeds, I've been getting some pretty good results from West Coast seeds. And I, I would say to anyone, if you're getting pretty good results using a certain product, there's no reason why you should change that product. Right. Unless right. you want to experiment, <laughs> of course, and see what somebody else has to offer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I yeah. use William Dam, too, mm-hmm. up here. Yeah. Um, but for the States, I my favorites are, are Johnny's and mm-hmm. uh, and Seed Savers Exchange. Yes. Seed Savers Exchange has lots of heritage okay. uh, varieties. Individuals save seeds for them, and, you know, they've got really, really old varieties from Europe and, that, and yeah. from all over the world. So yeah. it's uh, it's a neat place to get some really nice heritage. Oh, I have to look into that. Um, I think we're going to stop for now, and I really, really appreciate your time and your knowledge and just just who you are. It's been delightful. Oh, thanks for having <laughs> me. <laughs> Anytime you can come back and uh, we'll open up the ad for That's great. Thank you, Troy. Okay, great. Thank you. That's the end of our show. Thanks for listening. There were a lot of good ideas that you can apply to your life right now. When you took some notes, we'll take action. Keep Me It Real comes out every two weeks, so be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher so you don't miss a beat. You can listen or download episodes from our website, realjanine.com. Email at realjanine at gmail.com or tweet at realjanine. If you use Facebook, Go to Real Janine and leave comments there. You will get notices of new episodes if you follow. And remember, Janine is spelled J-A-N-E-A-N.